replied to Jesus. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so this morning as a church, we say, Lord, we love you. But help us to love you even more, to grow in love. Help us to push to the side. Enemies of our heart that comes for our heart to take space up in our lives, in our heart that obstructs us from worshiping you. Help us with that, Lord. Because this is the greatest command, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Amen. Amen, everyone. You are welcome to take your seat. Thank you, band, for preparing, putting in the hours and sound team there at the back and hospitality team that's preparing some refreshments for us. Thanks for creating a space where we can come and worship the Lord. Can we just give every volunteer a clap this morning? I realize again we, we, um, we sometimes forget how blessed we are. Um, I went to Shofar Otsurang last week, which uh, they send their greetings. It's so amazing to see a church plant standing up. But for the Sunday, they had planned a band of three people, which is a big band for a church plant. Did you know that? And then two of the band called in sick. <laughs> so there was one person. And you know what? We worship the Lord. One person. Uh, we come in here and we are being treated with probably the best music you can find in Hermanus on any day of the week. Isn't that true? So um, it's one of those privileges of being part of a church that's been around a while that was able to grow into, into a, a, grow in her purpose and people taking their place. Um, what about you? Where's your place in the body? Where's he calling you to serve? And to connect because there's also a place for you, for each and every one. Amen. I want to speak this morning on an offering fit for worship. And, and I, want to, I want to dance a little bit with what Pastor Andres touched on last week. So I'm also going to just read through the account of Cain and Abel and then <clears throat> look at some aspects there. But as we were singing that song, um, you're a good, good father. That's who you are and... Who I am, I am one that's loved by you. And I thought, wow, that's, that's amazing. And then I'm just, I'm just reminded that the Father gave us the Word, the Holy Bible, and the Holy Spirit to help us respond to His love so that we are those that also can love Him back. But we can get our offering wrong, <laughs> like Cain. We, we, we need to ask the Lord to help us love Him in a way that's pleasing to Him. Amen? And an offering fit for worship. Accuracy in all areas of love is important. Even when it comes to our spouses, there's ways that I might think this is love, but 
upon conversation and revelation, I can realize, oh, so this is not loving towards you. And, and, and in a sense, with God, it's the same. We, we can ask the Lord to show us what is a heart fit for worship or a life fit for worship or an offering fit for worship. So let's explore it this morning. And then I made my first slide. I'm just interrupting myself because this is quite important. I took it off the announcements. But starting the 7th of May, we are going to enter into Relationship Month. Who's excited about that? You should be. Because it's going to be incredible. We're going to take three Sundays and two Sundays, like we do every year in May month. And what we're going to do is we're going to come with honesty. And we are calling this month Heart to Heart. Let's talk about what really matters. So this morning, talking about loving God. And we're going to spend some time on loving, especially in the context of marriage, in a way um, that God teaches us to. So just make a mental note, invite some friends, and make sure you don't miss out. So let's read together, again, just the account of Cain and Abel. It's an incredible account, the first offering brought to God that we see in Scripture. Interesting about this, before this in Scripture, we don't have, we don't have it recorded for us what God specifically said the offering should look like and what it should be. We, 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 we just fall into the story where these two men bring the offering and then we learn more about it in the future, looking back, all right? Let me just pray for a moment for the word before I carry on. Before that, I just bring myself and every heart before you this morning. I pray that you will help us understand deeply what your word has for us this morning and holy spirit i just want to acknowledge your presence here we have respect for you and your work in our hearts to illuminate for us the substance of the word of god and also to empower and enable us to obey it thank you father that we can sit under your covering and under your word this morning and everyone said amen in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So we've got the first offering in the Bible and the first murder recorded within four verses. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? 
the voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. just want to jump to the New Testament, to one or two references of this. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Jude verse 11, it says, Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Kurah's rebellion. What we see here is that it is possible for two men. I'm, I'm just going to look at it very briefly because Pastor Andrews went deeply into this. I want to just use this as an intro, then I'm going to move on. Two men can come to the Lord with offerings intended for worship. All right? And what the world says is, you know what? Everything is the same. All, all roads lead to God. There's no difference between your belief and my belief. But Scripture says there's a very big difference. Two men come to the Lord, one with his offering, the other one also. The one is accepted and the one is not accepted. And it, it should lead us to ask the question, Lord, as I'm coming to you, to your house, to worship, to lean into you, is my worship accepted before you? This is what this passage is asking for us, to us. One was accepted and one was not. Matthew 7.21, we hear Jesus says, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So what we see is it's possible to say what needs to be said, but have a heart that is disconnected from that saying. Are you with me this morning? It is possible. Matthew 15, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So we see in Matthew 7, it is possible to, 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 to know Jesus is the Lord, okay, to get that and even say it, yet be disconnected from him in a functional way. In Romans 10, it's not on the screen, in the, early in the chapter it says, these people have a zeal for me, but not according to knowledge. So it's possible to almost like have a zeal and, and have a heart that's looking, but they don't have the right offering. They, they, they don't have Jesus yet. With preaching, with the, uh, the reading of the Bible, people with true open hearts for the Lord will accept that, and then they will have a heart which is inclined to God, and they would have the truth. All right? So, so it's possible to have the right heart, but not yet have the truth. Then with the preaching of the truth, the heart will take hold of it. But on the other side, it's possible to have the truth, but the heart is not open for it. Okay, so there's some things we can look into here to help us. And so the question I'm asking is, how does a life look that's fit for worship? And that's basically what the whole Bible teaches us. So I'm just going to lay before us what's on my heart for this morning. And, and I really know that this will help us because it's been of great value for me even this week just 
spending time on this, especially after pa- uh, Pastor Andres had that incredible sermon on the Heart of Stone. Please get last week's sermon. It, it's really incredible. God finds Cain after he committed the first murder in the history of mankind. I mean, uh, think about that. Imagine heaven, silent for a moment. Did he just do that? I mean, God created Cain's parents, and he said it was good. I mean, were they even capable? There lies Abel. I mean, his blood is crying out. What a moment. God finds him and says, where's your brother? Doubles down on his sin and says, I don't know. I don't know where he is. Come fry here for me. David messes up. We're going to move into a life fit for worship. And he responds differently. Psalm 51 verse 2. Instead of denying, he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. This was recorded after he also caused the death of a man, or indirectly he murdered Bathsheba's husband, and he took her against God's heart as his wife, committed adultery of her, and murdered her husband. But the Spirit comes around, or God comes around to him, and he responds differently to Abel. I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. So what we see is we see a man that takes here responsibility for the sin on his life. He says, wash me from whose iniquity? My. Cleanse me from my sin. It is mine. Watch out for the enemy. Watch out. Because when the Holy Spirit comes to help me, or help us, or help a human, when we need to go there, we like to say, please help me from the sin caused from my dad. Please help me because of the sin, what it is doing in my life, what my mother never did. Please help me because my boss is causing me to sin so much. So watch out for that trap. Watch out for that. Wash me from my iniquity from my transgressions against you you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment hide your face from my sins a very important passage here hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities help me deal with those creating me a clean heart O God and renew a right spirit within me Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Right there in the Old Testament. Isn't that incredible? David knew the presence of the Holy Spirit. He says, Lord, cast me not from your presence. There's nothing more precious to me than your presence. But there's a problem. (laughs) I have sins and I have iniquities. And he acknowledged those. He said, so in order for you to be with me, I know... 
that you need to blot out my iniquities. You need to get those away from me in order that I can be with you in your presence. So I'm taking full ownership here. Extract these from me, my iniquities and my sins, is what he's saying. And then he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold with a willing spirit. Isn't that an incredible passage? In James chapter 4, he writes, But he gives, he gives more grace, therefore it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. A life fit for worship carries a broken heart before the Lord. It is that of David. We cannot get past that. A life fit for worship is a life that acknowledges, in my life, I have sinned, that's mine. And Lord, I want you to come help me blot those out through repentance, the turning of my ways. That day when I come to him, but also constantly in my life, as I course correct, as the Spirit guides me. It's very important for us. Draw near with a broken heart to the Lord, not day one, but every day of your life. Two men went up to the temple to pray. It's not on the screen. The Pharisee doesn't have a broken heart. He says, I just thank you that I'm all fixed up, Lord. Not like that man over there. I'm falling apart. There, beating his chest, crying tears. Look at him, he's a mess. But I'm not like other men, unjust adulterers or even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. I'm all together, fixed up. Next to him, we see a tax collector standing afar off, would not even lift up his eyes, too broken for that, beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, guess which one is right here? The one who is broken. Life fit for worship carries a broken heart. It doesn't mean there's no mistakes. It doesn't mean there's no sin. It's just that when God found Cain, he said, why are you asking me? And when the word came to David through a prophet, he said, my sin, my iniquity. Is that okay? okay. Let's go on. We're going to Job. We dealt with a heart. God speaks to Job. I thought verse 3, it's, it's, quite, it's quite strong, a little bit, I don't know, sarcastic. Uh, it's supposed to make a point. God says to Job, dress for action like a man, and I will question you. And you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched up the line upon it? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Oh, the depth. Oh, I'm going to the next verse. All right. Just go back for a moment. So, so obviously God is prompting on Job, which was a godly man and a wise man, that he does not know actually a lot compared to God. If we go on to Romans 11, it says, 
Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Okay, so we see the Bible creating quite a distance between our abilities to know and understand and, and God's genius, all-knowing mind, okay? He's an omnipresent, omnipotent, inscrutable ways. There's a, there's a vast distance between where we are and where he is. That's why the writer in Ecclesiastes writes, he says, I must remember that I am on the earth and you are in heaven. Isaiah 55 doubles down on this. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm going to go for one more. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him, and also, no one comprehends the thought of God except the Spirit of God. The second thing I want to say this morning, and a life fit for, for worship, is draw near with a teachable intellect. Draw near with a teachable intellect before the Lord our God. We know Jack. <laughs> We know nothing. Draw near the teachable intellect. Because once pride sets in, your learning days is over. And once your learning days is over, then you are no longer active. You have now become passive. And you will fall behind. And it will move to your heart. Have a teachable intellect before the Lord. Because we don't know. We, we, might, we know some things because God, there's a whole field of theology called the knowability of God. Which is a thing God has revealed himself to us that we might know him. Enough in order to worship him, connect with him, and follow him. But we are not all-knowing like he is. We know what has been revealed to us. And because we are the ones who are dependent on what God reveals to us, we should have an humble intellect for what he still wants to reveal to you in your life. Right. But as humans, we, we, we rise to a place of pride where we feel, okay, we know stuff. And that's very dangerous for us. There's many gems of wisdom that God wants to share with you and I on our journey. For example, we might have knowledge and understand why stuff, my favorite example is just the kettle, like the knowledge of the reason there might be two reasons why, why the kettle cooks, right? The one is linked to knowledge and the one to wisdom. And they're not in contradiction. But the reason the kettle cooks is because someone switched on the electricity. But when it's load shedding, it doesn't work, okay? You put the kettle on, the element gets warm, right? The water starts, the particle starts to move, 
And the faster they move, the, water, the warmer the water gets. So that's one reason that the kettle is cooking. But the other reason is the reason of purpose, and that's because someone would love a cup of coffee. And that also indicates why the kettle is cooking. Now, when it comes to the wisdom side, God holds it in his hand. How to love your spouse? Wisdom. How to love your brother? Wisdom. You might know stuff. If you want to get to the heart of man, be humble in your intellect that God might guide you in the way of wisdom. Amen. A broken or a humble heart and a teachable intellect is fit. For worship. Are you with me this morning? If you are with me. Hello, okay. Yala. Looking so beautiful this morning. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So you know where I'm going with this one. <laughs> Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. <clears throat> Behold, I am sending you out, Jesus speaking. I'm sending you out. Sending you out. I'm sending you out. Now that your heart is soft before me, you are humble enough to know I need to wash you very deeply when you come to me, but often thereafter, your feet at least, wash you from your daily sin or your weekly sin. You know, and you're humble in that, and you are teachable. Now I want your body to go. Because that which is immaterial has been aligned. You're not ready in your heart and in your mind. I'd love to send your body out. I'd love to have you there where it's needed. So the last thing is report to him of a willing life fit for service. Broken heart teachable intellect and a body ready for action. What is he whispering to you this morning? What is he saying to you? What can you bring to him this morning? If, if there's one of those areas that you can maybe step into Psalm 51 along with David and say, Lord, if I am honest before you this morning, I recognize that I need to bring one of these maybe to you, just, just to touch me, Lord, and cause me to be healthy, send me out again. What is he saying to you this morning? And just before we wrap up in prayer and respond, uh, I want to read this for us, uh, Hebrews 12, 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And the old church father Erasmus said this about that verse, he said, the blood of Abel cried for vengeance, but the blood of Jesus for forgiveness. Cain came with the wrong offering, 
But then the Father sent the Son. He was the right offering for our sins. And that's where we can start this morning, just to surrender ourselves to Him. What is the right offering? It's to have our hands on the Son, Jesus Christ crucified. That offering is acceptable before the Father and none other. Amen? Let us rise up. This morning, if we can go back to that slide, um, the last one that says one, two, three, I would just uh, want to encourage you to, to respond to the Lord in your seats this morning. And uh, I love that scripture that says when you, st- when, you go, when, you, when you go to the temple and you stand praying, and they remember that um, your brother has something against you quickly go. The fact you are standing means it needs to happen quickly and you are called to attention. And I'm not going to let you stand for an hour, so let's quickly deal with this in your seat. I want to ask you to pray to the Lord. Just where you are, say, Holy Spirit, bring me a little closer. I want to know your heart. And don't be afraid if there's an area of your life that you feel ashamed of, remember the sacrifice of Jesus speaks a better word, which means if you open that area to the Lord, there is grace for you, like William shared before the service. What a great grace has been given to us. So you can with boldness say like David, Lord, this area, I have a problem. It's sinful. Won't you come in and and help me and tend to my heart? And you will experience a closeness that surpasses your intellect. It goes right to your spirit. Maybe you can just open your hands where you are standing this morning as a sign of openness to receive. So let's start with repentance, just where you are. Say, Lord, I want to repent of whatever it might be. I want to repent that my heart is hard before you. I love you, Lord, but often my heart is hard, and I just want to repent that it's not broken before you. Or maybe you want to say, Lord, I, I realize I've just opened my heart for pride intellectual pride. I just want to come to you again and I want to repent. I want to say, forgive me, Lord. Maybe you've withheld service from the Lord. And we all, we all have different abilities and different capacities at the moment. We've got children here and very senior seniors. But in one way or another, will you consecrate your body again to Him? Because you have been bought at the price and you are not your own. And now that you've prayed that prayer, if you've whispered along as I've been guiding you, now receive His grace. 
So Lord, I'm ready to receive your grace in this area. Just say, Holy Spirit, I receive what you are ministering to me now. Just say, I am open. Just enjoy this moment. God is just ministering to your heart. give you another minute or two to pray. Just feel these are intimate moments. Just to pray. Pray to your God where you are standing. Say, Lord, I desire a life fit for worship. Tell him you believe, but he must help your unbelief. Tell him you love him, but he must help you love him. I just feel that we should not rush this moment. We still have some time for reflection. Can I ask you to softly take your seat? If you have come with your spouse or with a friend and you're not shy for the person that's sitting next to you, will you ask them, what is the Holy Spirit pressing on your heart this morning? If you've come alone, take this time for personal reflection. So let's either reflect with someone Let's just get out what we have heard because that helps us. Or you can also reflect on your own if you want to. But I'm just going to give us four or five minutes for that before we just rush into the, the rest of the day. Go for it.
Amen, everyone. We finished nice and early, so you are welcome to take another five minutes. If you are in a good conversation with someone and maybe want to pray with them, you're welcome to. But you are all also now formally dismissed to go and enjoy some coffee and tea on the stoop. God bless you and see you soon.